Hello, and welcome to the Green Leads Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. I'm excited about the topic and the guest we have today. Today, we're talking all about protein powders. It's something that I get asked a lot about, especially since there's a ton of plant-based protein powders popping up on the market. And I brought on a registered dietitian who has written a book about smoothies and juices and also wrote this really excellent book. article about protein powders for today.com recently, which I'll put in the show notes. Her name is Frances Largeman Roth. Frances writes for a variety of national publications like today.com, Parents, Parade, and Mind Body Green. She's appeared on tons of TV shows. She's written a few books, including a New York Times bestseller. And she recently had a book come out, Smoothies and Juices, Prevention Healing Kitchen, that was released in September 2020. In this interview, we chatted about who protein powders are right for, if there's any difference between whey protein powder and plant-based protein powder in terms of how they get absorbed by the muscles, and then we talked about different sources of protein powder like whey, soy, pea, hemp, rice, ingredients to look for and, and to avoid, sweeteners in protein powder, essentially everything you've ever wanted to know about protein powder is in this interview. So if you've been confused about whether or not you think you should have one, then This is definitely an episode for you to listen to. In the meantime, send me questions for future episodes. DM me at Greenleets or send me an email, podcast at greenleets.com. And I would always love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. But let's jump right into this interview with Frances. Hi, Frances. Thanks so much for joining today. Hey, Natalie. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited to chat with you because you wrote a really interesting article recently, which prompted the whole topic for this podcast. You wrote all about protein powders, and you also have a smoothie and juice book, which has a section about protein powders. So it's a question I get asked a lot about, and I want to talk about protein powders. Yeah, let's do it. So who do you think protein powders are right for? Are they right for everyone or is it a specific population that they're really better for? I think anybody could benefit from using one unless they have the most balanced, ideal diet in the world. And I'm sure that there are some people like that. Uh, But I would say, you know, certainly athletes. And when I say athletes, I don't mean professional athletes. Anybody who's active Anybody who feels like maybe they're not having, you know, really balanced diets and also the 65 plus set, because what we're understanding about them is that they just actually require more protein because their body is their, you know, our bodies become less able to synthesize protein as we get older. So um, there are lots of different pockets there. And also, I would say picky kids, too. Uh, And I've got a couple of those. So, you know, I think there are um, many different ways to use protein powders, really even outside of a smoothie or a shake. Interesting. So do you think, uh, I talk a lot, obviously, to a plant-based audience, and they have a little bit of a harder time getting protein. But do you think people who eat animal foods and animal products still could benefit from protein powders? I do, because, you know, you know, you write a ton about 
um, about exercise and fueling up before and after. And there's that window, you know, after um, an intense workout where you really do want to get protein in that 15 to 30 minute window, ideally, or even up to an hour. Um, And if you aren't somebody who's willing to put together, obviously there are tons of easy snacks that you could put together, but some people, and I know who they are, many of them are in the industry, they just would rather have something that they can drink afterwards. Yeah, there's a major, major convenience factor. And not to mention some of them taste really good. Well, a lot of them are meant to taste really good. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think um, there are lots of different ways to use it. And, um, you know, again, like you might be somebody who is is going to be ready with a perfectly balanced um, post-workout meal afterwards, but maybe sometimes you just want to do it with, uh, with a smoothie instead. For sure. Yeah, I know. I, when you're training... And I, I, I say the same thing about athletes. You're an athlete if you're on your Peloton bike all the time, if you're doing HIIT workouts, if you're going to spin class, if you're a runner. Like, so you don't necessarily have to be a competitive athlete to be considered an athlete. And you still want to recover in those instances. And your stomach doesn't always want a huge meal. Sometimes something as simple as a protein powder shake is really the best option for you in that moment. Absolutely. So is there any research on the difference in how you absorb whey protein powder, which for anyone who doesn't know, whey is based in dairy. So that's uh, an animal source protein powder versus all the new plant-based protein powders, things like soy or hemp seed, things like that. Well, from what I found, whey, and this is what I mentioned in the article, whey is kind of the gold standard. The most research has been done on whey protein because it's the one that has been used the longest. I mean, literally since the 1930s. Uh, people have been making shakes out of whey, which is really a byproduct of the dairy industry. And um, so, there, you know, there's a lot of solid research that shows that when you give athletes whey protein, um, they do have the ability to gain muscle. And the same research or similar research has been done with soy, similar results. So it, it was really, you know, whey was the first Soy was the second, but then a lot of people realized, oh, well, soy is is allergenic and other people don't want to use soy for various reasons. Um, So then uh, pea protein and hemp protein and pumpkin seed protein and rice bran protein and all the other plant-based proteins started coming out. And I have not found a lot of research on those, Natalie, maybe you have, but um, if you just, you know, when I've looked at other dietitians' um, articles on the subject, you know, they feel that it's a it's a a very suitable substitute. So, you know, whether the clinical research has been done, I I don't think so. But I think that if you are somebody who's plant based and you want to use a plant based protein powder, you should feel confident that it's giving you a similar benefit. I haven't seen that research either. And I think largely in part because there's new plant-based protein powders popping up constantly. I'm seeing new ones. I got one recently that was just an almond protein powder and then Mm -hmm. pumpkin seed was just, I feel like that was just coming out a year or two ago. And you mentioned one in your article, was it called Choco? Chocho. Chocho. What is that? Yeah. So that is from 
a company called Makuna, and it is um, it's an ancient grain. And so that one's really cool. That's I used that this week in the muffins that I posted yesterday. And it's it's a chocolate flavor and it's absolutely delicious. And um, it has, you know, a fantastic amino acid profile. And that's so that's a new one. Um, so, you know, I think w- whenever you talk about research, you have to think about is there money um, behind a product that would actually be able to fund research or a clinical trial. And I think, you know, what you just said, there's so many of them, it would be really hard to actually study all of them, um, especially now that so many of them are in blends, right? So it'd be kind of hard to break break that out, you know, if it's 30% pumpkin, and then there are also mushrooms in there, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah, it gets a little tricky. But I think that, you know, certainly there's so many plant-based athletes, competitive athletes out there using these types of products and getting really great results. So I think that, you know, folks can certainly feel confident that choosing a plant-based protein powder would be great for them. And I've also seen research on the difference in bioavailability of just animal proteins versus plant-based proteins if you're eating the actual food. And and really, it showed no difference that people who are vegetarian or vegan can still get enough protein, still absorb enough protein if they eat the right sources. So I obviously, we can't say that that translates to protein powder because the studies haven't been done, but you can kind of assume it probably does. Right, right. And then, you know, again, this always comes back to personal preference, right? So, you know, what's going to work for one person in terms of digestion isn't going to work for the next person. Some people do really well with pea protein, other people, you know, it causes them all kinds of digestive upset and gas, et cetera. So I think there is an element of um, experimentation to these plant proteins. And that's why if you can get a smaller container or packets to try first, that's better than investing in a really giant tub of it. Not to mention that they all taste different. When you get whey protein, you kind of know what whey protein is going to taste like because that's the one that's been around for a while. But almond protein tastes different than pea protein, which tastes different than pumpkin seed protein. They're all very, very different tastes. Absolutely. Yes. And then, of course, you know, and, and this might be something that you're about to get to, Um, many of them have additional things added, right? Like adaptogens um, or caffeine or um, other supplements added. So I I think that that's where if you're truly just wanting the protein effect, (laughs) then you really have to do your research because um, many of them have, you know, a lot more added. For example, if I was going to use something for my kids, I wouldn't want to use the protein powders that have all the adaptogens added um, to them. I would want something that's really a lot more straightforward. Maybe that's where I would reach for the almond uh, protein powder. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Cause that is very confusing. There's some that have branch chain amino acids, some that have prebiotic fiber, some that have different omega threes put in there. There there's a lot in these protein powders now. So do you, I, I feel like your answer is going to be, it's different in every situation, but do you recommend kind of just a normal protein powder that is just protein, or do you recommend ones that have other things added into them? 
Well, yeah, it, it's, it's variable, Natalie. Um, you know, I'm looking at this chocho, and I think what's great about that is that it really is very simple. You know, it's basically the protein, and it has some cacao bean powder and um, coconut blossom nectar and sea salt, and that's kind of it. Um, also, you know, there are lots of artificial and non-nutritive sweeteners being used in these protein powders. So that is something to look out for. So for example, it might say no stevia, but then it's using a different, you know, um, non-nutritive sweetener like Lohan and, uh, or monk fruit or something like that. So I think, you know, people don't want the added sugar, right. But then, you know, it's kind of a tough balance. So it really comes down to, um, if you're, if you want super, super simple, then, you know, there's a brand out there called naked and their products are really more stripped down, like just naked whey or just naked soy. And, um, that might be the way to go, but if not, you're probably going to spend a little bit of time looking uh, online or in the protein powder aisle at Whole Foods, comparing these things. And some people, again, they they are like, yeah, I I like adaptogens. Give me more adaptogens. You know, that's that's going to make me um, feel better overall, right? So it's it's really kind of a um, you know, what is your philosophy? Do you want something that's really straightforward or do you want something that's more like a supplement? If you want to get the latest cutting edge information in the field of sports medicine, check out my new show, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I'm Mike Reynolds. Each week I feature a new interview with some of the leading and emerging experts in our field so they can share their recent research, clinical experience, and best career advice. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and speaking of supplements, these are supplements, right? So they're not necessarily regulated as food is. There are um, what's called consumer manufacturer good practices, meaning that they're supposed to follow these guidelines. And and a lot of the reputable companies will do third-party testing so you know that what you're getting in the protein powder is what it says on the bottle, but is there anything to really look out for because it's not regulated? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, that's, that's a great question. Um, but I think that it's really buyer beware. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, this is where kind of the, the word of mouth is, is a benefit. You know, if you're, if you have a friend who's been using one, um, then, you know, chat with them, see how they, how it, how, you know, how their body responded to it. But also, I mean, don't be afraid to go to the website, look at the FAQs and even reach out, especially if you have a food allergy, um, or there's a specific ingredient that, you know, that you need to avoid. That's where, you know, put a little pressure on the, on the company and have them cough up some information for you. And if they have studies that they've done or any kind of third party certification, um, you know, you can ask to see that proof of that. Yeah. There should be labels on these that say they had third party certification. And, uh, there's, there's ones like NSF. Um, I don't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but you can always look for those labels to kind of know that they, 
went through some testing to show that this is a reputable brand. Right. Absolutely. And then of course, you know, some are non-GMO. So if they are non, if they say they're non-GMO, they should be showing the non-GMO verified label or the USDA organic label. Um, but it's, um, it, it, it is tricky and they are all absolutely different. You know, I'm looking at some on my desk here and uh, really, really long <laughs> ingredient lists on some of these, but that doesn't make it a bad product, right? Because if you want all of those added things, all of those added, you know, benefits, then this might be a good product for you. Um, and, you know, also, if you're looking for a gluten-free product, you want to make sure that that is listed on the label under the supplement facts. Um, and some are now even telling you exactly how much added sugar it is, calling that out in a, in a bigger way. So um, it's interesting because I have never seen so many of these products on the market as I have now. And clearly during the pandemic, people have gotten more laser focused on their health and on wellness and on um, basically making themselves as healthy as they possibly can be. And I think that that has generated uh, even more of these product launches over the past six months. Yeah. And I think coming out of the pandemic, people, it's almost like New Year's. People are like, oh, I'm out. I'm able to leave my house again. I got to eat healthy. <laughs> uh, right. right. You also talked about ingredients. So when people are looking at an ingredient list, is there any ingredient that they should avoid? Well, I mean, again, that depends on what you're trying to avoid, right? So if you're someone who is, you know, has a soy allergy, you want to make sure that the ingredient list does not list any soy products or soy isolates in it. And of course, a shorter ingredient list is going to make it easier for you to kind of scan and make sure that something um, is, a, is going to be okay for you. But also, another thing to mention is that, you know, the ingredient list goes in terms of weight. Um, so the, the first ingredient listed is going to be, um, there's going to be more of that ingredient than as you go down the line. So, um, Oftentimes the sweeteners, and especially these non-nutritive sweeteners, because they're 400 to 600 times sweeter than sugar, they're often at the end. So if you want to avoid the stevia or the monk fruit or whatever the case might be, maybe skip to the end, that's where the sweeteners are probably going to be. Is there any reason that people should avoid these sweeteners? I've, I've actually bought unsweetened protein powder. It's hard to get down. It's very hard to get down. Yeah. It's very chalky. This is what I'm going to say about sweetened versus unsweetened. If you're using them in a smoothie, I think you can absolutely get away with unsweetened um, because you're going to be adding in fruit that's naturally sweet you know, you probably put a banana in there that adds a lot of natural sweetness, maybe even a little, you know, teaspoon of honey or agave nectar. So I think you can use unsweetened there with no problem. But when you're using them, say in a pancake, you know, you're making protein pancakes or you're literally mixing it into water, which I know a lot of athletes do because that's super convenient to do right after a workout, you probably are going to need a little sweetness there. And so, um, you know, I'm not saying that you should be, 
Uh, I'm not targeting any one of these non-nutritive sweeteners in particular. I'm just saying if you're someone who doesn't want stevia um, or doesn't want monk fruit or XYZ, do look for that because they are going to be in those, those sweeter products. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And it's funny because I would have thought if you're baking with it that you could use an unsweetened variety because it would kind of just like replace flour. But you said you would prefer a sweetened variety for something like pancakes. Well, yes, because it can give an off flavor. It can give a very bitter flavor um, when there's, you know, no sweetness to it at all. So, uh, and I hate to throw away a whole pan <laughs> of pancakes or a whole pan of, you know, a whole um, batch of muffins. So I think, you know, it's, um, it's really about experimentation, but I have found that the ones that are a little bit sweeter um, do work better in baking. But of course, that means that you can, you can step back on the amount of sugar that you're adding. You know, if a, if a recipe usually calls for half a cup of sugar or a cup of sugar, you can usually cut that in half if you're using a sweetened protein powder. Right. I was just thinking that. And sometimes they're sweetened with a vanilla flavor or something like that. So it adds a nice vanilla touch to your baked goods. Absolutely. Yeah. You also talked about blends specifically within the plant-based realm. So maybe a, there's a plant-based protein powder and it has pumpkin seed and almond or whatever. Is there any benefit or downside to having a, ben, a blend versus just the singular food in a protein powder? Yeah. So, you know, when they blend these, they are, you know, these, the, the better companies, they're really doing it to create a complete protein to make sure that it has a complete amino acid profile. So, you know, and, and I think what we've learned over the past few years, Natalie, is that it's not such a big deal, right? You don't have to have your beans with your rice to get over the course of the day to, to make sure that you're getting your complete protein. It's great if you do, and that's kind of optimal. Um, but your body is going to be able to put these amino acids together, uh, to synthesize protein in the body. So, um, but you know, if they're advertising it as a complete protein source, then yes, they should be matching up, um, complementary plant proteins that do provide a complete protein. So I would say, um, that it's a, it's a benefit to get a blend. Of course, if you have a nut allergy, you want to make sure that they're not blending almond in with hemp, etc. So, you know, again, it, it all comes down to really, you know, being, um, being a, a smart consumer and making sure that you're looking at the labels and being very clear on what it is that you're getting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because like you said, I, we're eating different foods throughout the days. So ha having the complementary protein all at one meal is not necessarily always necessary because, you know, you don't just eat beans throughout the day. You eat beans and rice and lentils and this and that. So, but, um, but that is a nice benefit that they do have the different amino acids in there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, pea protein on its own has too much of a grassy flavor um, if you know what I mean. And, yeah. but when it's blended with other things, I think it's much more palatable and it, obviously it's a great protein source. It's also very environmentally friendly. So, um, I'm, I'm all for it. I just don't love it on its own. 
That's true. That's a whole nother thing to throw into the equation. There's so much to consider with all these protein powders that are out there. It's, it's nuts. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, is it, um, you know, how much water does it take to grow these various things? So people are interested in things on various different levels. I just looked at one of my DMS. I was, um, I, I posted a product yesterday that I thought was really smart. And, uh, the person commented that, yeah, it might be smart, but look at all the plastic packaging, right? So, there are various reasons why consumers are choosing different products these days. And some of it honestly comes down to the package and whether they think they can recycle it. That's really, yeah, that's true. And that's something to consider when you're looking. I never really even actually thought about that. I should have thought about that, but I didn't. It's really, there's something to think about when you're comparing all the different plant-based proteins out there. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at one on my desk that's rainforest certified. So that could be something that, um, that a certain consumer cares about more than it being gluten-free, you know? So it's, um, there's so many products these days and that's why folks <laughs> need, um, you know, clear information. And also that's why I think, you know, a reg registered dietitian nutritionist can be helpful because it is so much to kind of, um, wade through. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, so say someone buys a giant tub of protein powder and they're trying to make a shake with it and they decide, I don't really like this and they, but they want to use it. So maybe they find protein shakes are not for them. You kind of touched on this with muffins or pancakes, but what else can you do with protein powder? Overnight oats. Oh, that's a one. really simple and easy thing to do. So um, I would say, you know, if you have a basic recipe, my basic recipe is one and three quarters cup oats. Um, and then I usually add in like a quarter cup of uh, chia seeds, but I might skip that and use a scoopful of a protein powder. And, um, and I've been doing that and it, it really does make it a little bit more, makes the overnight oats a little bit more satisfying. And again, if it's a flavored one, brings some flavor to that oat mixture, which, you know, unless you flavor it yourself really doesn't have much flavor. So um, that's a great way to use it up. Um, protein pancakes. Uh, yesterday, I made a batch of muffins. And I, uh, what did I do? I, I replaced a quarter cup of the flour with a scoop of protein powder um, and used chocolate for that one. So there are lots of different ways to use it. And I think, um, you know, yeah, they can, they can sometimes stare at you from your, <laughs> from your kitchen counter, like, okay, I'm sitting here, how are you going to use me? But of course, you know, we're getting into the warmer months. And so I have to mention smoothies and, um, and my book, Smoothies and Juices, Prevention, Healing Kitchen, we have a whole chapter on strong muscles. And so, of course, we're going to talk about using protein powders. And um, there's a, a whole page on how do you choose one. And they really, you know, do work wonderfully in a smoothie. And, um, you know, that's probably the, you know, second to just stirring it into water. That's the easiest way to use them. That's the way I use them most of the time. Smoothies is really my go-to because... I use Greek yogurt too, but sometimes, you know, you just want to change it up. You want a different taste or something like that. And it's really just 
great to get like 20 grams of protein in just one drink. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, that would be perfect for post-workout. Um, you can always freeze them into popsicles too. Nice. So that's that, you know, make your smoothie, but then pour it into popsicle mold and voila, six hours later, you have popsicles with protein in them. I'm going to try that. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk more about smoothies because I feel like it's almost like smoothies are somewhat basic, but they're still divisive in a way that some people think they're not good for you. Mm-hmm. And because maybe they have too much sugar or they think you should chew your food. So what, obviously you wrote the book on smoothies. So you think they're good for you. What do you think the benefits are of them? Yeah. Well, I will get into that in one minute, Natalie. I think the reason why people, myself included, have gotten sort of a bad taste in their mouth over smoothies is that there were a lot of smoothie um, companies out there, you know, the kind that you would, you know, like a, like a smoothie store, right. That you would go to and they weren't necessarily taking a handful of spinach and a banana and a cup of blueberries and making you a smoothie. They were using, um, syrups. Yeah. So milkshakes pretty much. Right. Syrup (laughs) and pre-mixed things that were sweetened, right. Sweetened with sugar or even corn syrup. Hello, we don't want that in our smoothies. So that was sort of where they started getting a bad rap. Um, And then of course, there are the folks out there, as you know, who are afraid of the natural sugars in a smoothie. And I really always try to bring it back to like, this is nature's energy. This is, this is nature's energy and nature's candy, right? This is where you can, you can feel good about getting an energy burst from a food because it's really um, also not just the natural sugar, but also anytime you're having a piece of fruit, you're also getting a complete nutrient package. You're getting the fiber, you're getting the antioxidants. Um, and that's why smoothies are great because you're putting the entire fruit in. You are getting the fiber as well, as opposed to juicing, which takes the fiber out. Obviously, you still get the nutritional benefit of, um, you know, the the liquid part of the fruit or the vegetable, but you're not getting that fiber. And as we know, so many Americans are not getting enough. Uh, fiber in their diet. So not only are they not getting their fruits and vegetables, they're also not getting their fiber. So I'm like, Hey, okay, then this is where smoothies can really be a benefit and help people who aren't, you know, maybe they're, maybe they don't love salads or maybe they're not roasting vegetables. Um, adding that handful or two of spinach in, uh, into a smoothie can really go a long way toward that, toward that person getting enough fruits and veggies for the day. So, um, that's my, that's my spiel on why they can be so beneficial. Also, you know, you can set them up depending on what type of blender you have. If you have a personal blender, you can, um, sort of uh, prep them the night before and put that top part into your fridge with your fruits and your veggies and your nut butter already in there. And then in the morning, take that off, put it on the base add your liquid to it, blend it and go. And many of them are designed that way that they're, you know, made to take and go and drink on the way. So, um, there's so many 
so many benefits. Also food waste. I think that's another, another way that, um, that smoothies can really be a benefit when you see your fruit starting to go a little brown and mushy, put it into a a zip top freezer bag, stick that in the freezer. And then the next time you want a smoothie, it's there and it's ready to go. And you haven't thrown that stuff away. I think also smoothies are synonymous with breakfast. And most people I know don't eat vegetables at breakfast and smoothies are a really good way to get vegetables in at the start of your day for anyone who's looking to get a little more veggies in their diet. Yes, absolutely. That's a great point. And not only baby spinach, which I keep talking about, but that one's just so easy, but also um, shredded carrots, sweet potatoes. If you have a leftover sweet potato, you can throw that into your blender, you know, with uh, with your plant milk and your banana and some berries. And it's delicious. Um, let me think what other, Oh, another interesting ingredient to use in a smoothie are oats and you can use them raw, just like in overnight oats. And it adds a ton of body. And of course you're getting extra fiber. You're also getting resistant starch, which helps people feel full longer And, um, so I think that it's worth, if you've been put off by smoothies, I think it's worth coming back and giving them another go. Also, another reason that I've heard why people don't like to make them is because they don't like to clean the blender. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But my tip for that is that you, you make your smoothie, you pour it into your glass, and then immediately you take your blender, fill it three quarters of the way with warm water, a few drops of liquid uh, dish detergent, put it back on the base and blend it again. And all the stuff that was stuck to the sides is going to come off. That is an awesome tip. I actually, this is a long time ago, I lived with a roommate who had a Vitamix, which was the most amazing blender I've ever used in my life. And that was how we cleaned it because that's a big blender and it was, it really worked. That is a good tip. Yeah, it absolutely works. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, it's a great, um, I don't know, a a great addition to anyone's wellness routine. It doesn't have to be daily, right? Maybe it's uh, on the weekends, but I think the more you experiment with smoothies, the more you're going to enjoy them. And for anyone who doesn't know, so how are smoothies and juices different in terms of the fiber content? Because I think that's another thing that worries people. You're really blending things down. So why, why are those two things different? Why does one have fiber and the other not? Right. So the, so the machines are different, you know, a blender really just breaks everything down, has a little motor at the bottom and a blade and it chops everything up and makes it smooth and you don't lose any fiber. Whereas a juicing machine pulls out, it, you know, ex- it extracts the juice and leaves the fiber. And uh, unless you're using it, some people are super clever and they take that pulp and they, you know, put it in muffins or do other things with it. But most people really aren't going to do that. So you're losing all the fiber. The juices that we have in the, in my smoothies and juices book are blender juices. So they do have a juice consistency as opposed to a thicker smoothie consistency. And you'll find ingredients like celery and more vegetables in those juice recipes. But since they're made in the blender, you're not losing the fiber. But if you were going to go to a juice store 
and get a fresh, freshly made juice, um, that's going to be very, very low in fiber. So again, you're still getting the nutrients in those carrots and, you know, whatever else is in that juice, you're just not going to get the fiber. And that's, um, not a great, that's not a great thing for some people because then they will feel hungry 30 minutes later and will be looking for additional food. Well, Francis, this is all really great information. I feel like people are going to go out and try different drinks now. We have protein powder shakes, smoothies, juices, and then of course, baked goods with protein powders. It's just like so much inspiration for people. Well, great. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, hey, if I have inspired someone to make something new, then that makes me very happy. Me too. And I want people to follow you and buy your book. So can you tell them where they can find more from you? Absolutely. On Instagram, I'm at Francis L. Roth, R-D. My website is FrancisLargemanRoth.com. And of course, Smoothies and Juices Prevention Healing Kitchen is on Amazon. Well, thanks again for doing this. Thanks, Natalie. It's been a huge pleasure. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleats or visit my website at greenleats.com.